Welcome to the latest episode of Bull Banter, the podcast where two brothers talk about the MacArthur Bulls, the A-League, and all things football. I'm Blake Sims, and I'm joined by my brother, Daniel. How are you today, Dan? You know, uh, absolutely buzzing this week, uh, coming off that exclusive interview with um, Bulls director Sam Kerstovich. And if you haven't checked it out already, it's up on our uh, YouTube. It's almost past 300 views, I think. So for yeah. us, it's quite massive. Um, yeah, it sort of came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, we just were lucky enough to line it up after attending the uh, the match between Western United and MacArthur at Leichhardt Over. We just happened to be sitting right next to Sam and we're like, surely he'll jump on the pod. And he was kind enough to do that. So, you know, thanks so much for Sam and also the behind the scenes staff there at MacArthur FC. It was good to be able to talk to someone, you know, with genuine power at the club. And, you know, thinking about it, like Daniel, you can you know, answer this as well. Like when we started this, did you think we'd ever be speaking to someone of that stature? I mean, probably not considering how dodgy the first episodes <laughs> were with me and my headset and just without a bloody proper microphone. But, yeah, it'll um, come a long way. We're now recording with a snowball rather than a headset. Yeah, big Good things. Stuff. But no, it's been, it's been fun. Um, but we do have uh, some games to recap because, you know, they've been coming thick and fast and when you have uh, games as lackluster as the Perth one all game, there's nothing to really talk about for a 40-minute podcast. So quickly cover it now. Um, what do you think, Blake? It was obviously a little bit of a snooze fest, as is to be expected when we face Perth after those last two games. It's just what happens when Perth play. They just slow the game down. No, um, to be honest, like it's, it's clear what Milicic set out to do there. While, you know, we needed to pick up points and every game should have been looked at as a three-point, you know, turnaround, trying to get the win and, and get that higher up in the finals. I think Milicic was playing the long game. I think he was a bit conservative in his team selection. A lot of the uh, more senior players didn't travel. And, um, yeah, I think he really just went out to get a point the same way he did the last time he went to Perth. And because of that, um, that travel, you know, going to Perth twice in the uh, same amount of weeks um, takes it out of you. And I think he used that time pretty well to blood a couple of youngsters. I mean, we saw Muni Najjar get a start after being out of the side for a number of weeks. So, um, you know, he's he's come along and he did make a bit of a difference in the in the goal. He was good for the pre-assist there for Meredith before uh, setting up Derbyshire for our goal. But realistically, yeah, um, not much to say about this game. We just defended well. Perth had a number of chances more than us. Um, but we never looked like we were dominated. It was just Ca- Diego Castro had one of those days where he was a bit unplayable. And um, yeah, what else can you say? It was it was just one of those days where neither team could get the better of the other. Yeah, and obviously a few injuries sort of impacted the lineup decisions there. I think Charles was out for that game. Um, no, Charles and, you was know, in for that game, but he got injured in, for that in game? the game. He got injured in that game. There was yeah. actually an early injury, right? There was a stonewall penalty. Right. Keo dived for his pen, like fell over like a ton of bricks um, with the feathers touch. Right. And, you know, Diego Castro does what he does, slots the penalty, whatever. We come back, we fight back to 1 1. And then Charles, you know, with his trickery and his dancing in the box, gets like taken down. You know, if it was any other place on the field, it's probably a yellow, if not only a, uh, a free kick. But for whatever reason, the referee and the VAR just decide, nah, play on, doesn't matter. Now, you could argue Charles's last touch was probably taking him over the sideline. 
But in any case, like he's avoiding contact. Yeah. And the player has completely missed the ball and just taken him out. You have to say that's a clear pen. Like if you think back to the Newcastle game at home, the same thing happened there, you know, um, where I think the foul was on Milligan and it's one of the Sterling runs where he's just going to knock it out for a goal kick, but still gets, you know, cluttered. Um, but, you know, we move forward and Najar, he, he has been featuring a bit more on the side recently and, you know, he's done okay, but he's still, you know, finding his footing um, in the A-League, I'd say. Um, yeah, you but, know, he has, that, he has that quality where he looks dangerous, but he never has the end product. That's his thing. So he'll look flashy and maybe, you know, in training it's all coming together for him, but on game day, for whatever reason, he'll get into all the right areas. He'll make the the, the uh, crowd, you know, hold their breath and, you know, we're waiting for something to happen. And then he'll sometimes overplay it. Sometimes he's a bit too, you know, one-footed, relying on his left. Um, yeah, I don't know that he's necessarily got the quality for us for that position. But, um, you know, he puts himself about well and, and challenges well. And he's a bit of a physical presence in the same ilk as uh, Michael Rus. So, you know, against certain sides, he can be a, a bit of a dominant force. But he's yet to really put together uh, a top performance there that really stands out and says to everyone, hey, I deserve to be in this position. Yeah, and we saw it against the Mariners there. He could have put us up 2-0, but the ball just sort of, you know, got lost under him and just had to quickly turn out of it when, you know, if he takes a decent first touch, then he's just got an open goal to blast it into. But, um, you know, he'll come along, hopefully. Um, yeah, you just feel like there's a bit of tension in his um, in his play, in his in his touch. Like, to contrast, look at someone like Sosieta, obviously someone who's vastly different uh, as a player. Much more experienced. And at opposite well. ends of his career. But... Yeah. You, you see the difference there, right? The long ball for the game against Macar- against uh, Central Coast, right at home on the Thursday when we had a, a quite quality crowd, to be honest, um, for a midweek fixture. But the ball gets floated through by by Genro. Suseda is in on goal, and he could easily have stuffed it up, you know, taken a poor touch. But he just waits on it and and waits for it to fall for him properly, and he just lifts it over the keeper. I mean, that's that's immaculate touch. And you compare it with some of our other players who maybe are not as developed, maybe haven't been in those situations as often, had as much practice or experience. Um, it's it's telling. And, you know, we've been saying it all season, but you have to keep singing the praises. So say it is just a, a god on the ball, man. And building off that, I think after, you know, getting confirmed selection for the Socceroos, Genre just like played out of his skin in that Mariners game and you know he did put the ball through for Susiata to get on the end of it and it was a cracker ball just sort of picked it out weighted it perfectly in behind the Mariners uh, defensive line there and he's going to be definitely a big, a big miss for us uh, at the weekend but um, I suppose a silver lining is that uh, Matty Simon and Rowan Tonyak are missing for the Mariners as well. Yeah, I think is Simon gone? I don't think Simon's yeah, gone. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure he got um, selected, didn't he, for the for the Socceroos? No, no chance. Or am I thinking of a different um, Simon? But Tonyak, yes, very very big miss for the Mariners. Uh, he's someone who 
pretty much had Matt Darbyshire's number in the uh, three games we played him during the season. Um, yeah, he's someone who's just so aerially dominant. Every time we wanted to, you know, find Matt's feet up front, he was able to sort of get in a challenge where it wasn't sticking for Derbyshire. And we know he's sort of, you know, better off with his head than with his feet. Um, he's not a ball-playing attacker. He's a, he's a tap-in merchant. So, you know, he was able to disrupt the play there. And Tongik as well, um, you know, when crosses are coming in, he's got the size advantage and probably the mobility advantage on Derbyshire as well. So, um, yeah, it could be that it could work in our favour. If Derbyshire is there and he's up against, uh, you know, a less experienced pairing in the centre-backs for Central Coast on the weekend, it could pay dividends for us. So we'll wait. We'll have to wait and see there. But touching on your point um, about genre, I mean, I think you and I, we noticed it against um, Melbourne City at home when we had that one-all draw. He, it's like a, a, he's flicked a switch. Like he's become such a better player since then. And even though earlier in the season, yeah, you could say he was tidy. He had good touches. He was able to draw fouls and everything, but he's, he's gone up another gear, another level. And we've really missed him in the games he hasn't been able to feature for us. Um, Milligan's filled into that midfield role pretty well, but it's left us maybe shakier at the back. I don't know if, um, you know, Jake McGing is the answer for that inside center back role. I think he's, you know, more favored position is out wide, but you've got to make do with what's there. And um, yeah, it's been a little tricky for us to balance the uh, ins and outs, the injuries and uh, the national selections and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're going to have to deal with it and it's, it's on central coast as well to, to deal with it. Um, in terms of the actual match, it was pretty disappointing to see Jack Clisby get as much space as he did. You know, he's not an amazing player. Sure. He's a bit mo mobile, but you'd expect that with some competent defending, you'd be able to shut him down and deny him space. But the fact that he was getting into our box and getting shooting opportunities, genuinely good shooting opportunities with very little pressure on the ball um, several times, especially in the first half, yeah. was very concerning. Um, Michael Rus, you know, we sing his praises about his attacking ability and, you know, his his skill in being able to, you know, dribble the ball and run at players and just be that rapid person who's tough to slow down. But in terms of his defense, I don't know if he's had a whole lot of experience at this level and, and is knowing what's required in terms of getting up and getting back. Um, he left he left his man, it has to be said, a couple of times. And uh, that's what eventuated in Jack Clisby's first goal and what could have easily been, if not for a lucky offside, a uh, second goal. So we're going to have to be aware of that. I don't know if Ante will end up going with Rossi for starters on the uh, on the right wing on the weekend, but we'll have to wait and see. What else did you pick up from this match? Yeah, um, you know, we were pressing him well um, in the midfield, forcing him into um, a lot of errors at the back, and we were a bit more direct uh, with our play, especially in the first half, sort of just getting on the ball early and looking forward, not just turning it, hitting it around the back and sort of working around on that halfway line that we uh, always like to do. Um, and it really worked for us. But yeah, that their goals came from, you know, a player in the midfield at, uh, a Mariners player in the midfield being able to turn one of us and then sort of run at us and then attract numbers. And then with the uh, Cleesby goal, the 
a whole side just gets, you know, sucked over towards the ball and then Roos is just lets his man go and he's free on the other side of the box. And then similar things sort of happen with the, the silver goal, which all credit to you, it was quality finish, top bins. Um, but same again, uh, Urania both times was the one, you know, carrying the ball forward and for the Clisby one, he put the ball into Simon to lay it off for him. And then he found uh, the silver for that one. So yeah. Urania, I think- man, he's... He's a crafty player. He's uh, not the quickest and, you know, he's certainly got some skill, but man, he pops up in the right positions. He's got that kind of uh Sosaeta-esque ability to just pop up in the right spot. Um, he was almost playing as a false nine at times, even though it's two up top for the Mariners, Simon and Urenia. Urenia drops off into that space in between the back line and the midfielders and just causes havoc. He's able to pretty much come untracked because either the centre-back steps up and it's, then creates this opportunity where Matt Simon can be 1v1 against his defender in the box. And that's not really something we want because he's quite strong and he's crafty as well. He can easily win a penalty if he wants to, or, you know, get under the skin of someone like Sujnia. So, mm-hmm. you know, does your centre-back follow? Maybe not. If he doesn't follow, is a midfielder having the presence of mind to pick up Urenia when he's dropping back? Probably not. Um, I think we've discussed it before how, our defensive midfield stocks are pretty weak or lackluster because we've got a lot of the same player that kind of tidy, um, you know, rotates the ball, makes the play go um, and, and does a, a tidy pass here and there. But he, we don't have that enforcer in the midfield who's just got uh, responsibility. Like a, defensively. Ben, a destroyer. Yeah. For, for moments in the game, but he's not a solid choice to do it for 90 minutes. And I think we do need the kind of player who can do both, who can be, a defensive enforcer who can, you know, stamp his authority on the match um, by being that defensive player, but also being that tidy distributor of the ball. And I just don't think we have that. So with that being said, Urania was able to run, you know, rampant, uh, have a lot of space and dictate play. And that's where he's able to bring in Clisby for the goal. And, um, you know, even De Silva, he set up, he was able to drift wide and then we've all pushed over and De Silva's, you know, got the ball that was coughed up in the middle and picked out a great strike. Yeah, and you know, I think in the interview with Sam, he mentioned the defensive midfield was one of the spots we're looking at because obviously Milligan could, you know, fill that sort of role, but then it just leaves us so exposed at the back that he's just better off playing in that back three, definitely. Um, so it'll be a interesting one to see what adjustments um, Ante makes at the weekend, you know, whether we have a like defense first focus just to sort of thwart out um, Urania dropping into that pocket between the um, mids and the back and our back line. But um, yeah, I'd say that Ante would want to go with that at least for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes being a finals game. You've got to, you know, be a bit more conservative. You can't afford to be having that um, deficit so early on because it's a real uphill battle. Um, and, you know, you know, Mariners at home with the crowd behind them, the crowd will cheer every single time, you know, that time is wasted or, you know, someone kicks the ball out when defending. Um, and they're the kind of team who also enjoys being back on the defense a bit uh, so they can set up those counterattacks because, 
you know, despite the fact that they're not super pacey, um, you know, the likes of Daniel Bowman, Urania, um, Matt Simon even can put together a string of passes and, and really hurt you on the counter. So I'd say we'll probably forfeit a bit of territory and just sort of see it out for a bit and then work into our um, possession-based game if we feel comfortable. Or we might do what we did on the other night that, um, you know, tended to work pretty well. We got the, the uh, payment for that, uh, that type of play with the Sosieta goal. So it can work where we go longer a bit earlier, but has to be the right time and the right decision-making. And it's all, you know, very interesting as it's set up for this final. And also we have to talk about uh, the, you know, quite amazing moment where Federici came up in the dying embers of the game, Campbelltown thundering with anticipation. It gave you a little glimpse of what, you know, it might be one day if we get a lot of, uh, you know, supporters week in, week out, filling the hills and the grandstands and that. Um, Yeah, so say it, sorry, uh, Federici trying to be, do his best uh, Allison impression, but going one step further, trying the bicycle out, um, didn't come off. And, you know, despite the fact that didn't come off and, you know, it was just a nearly moment. It was, it was pretty great to see. Didn't know he could get up that high. He still didn't really get up that high. Um, in all fairness, he didn't really jump for it, did he? But, um, you know, he, he went for it and, uh, in a, in another universe that's gone top bins and we've got a home final, but, um, yeah. Send me that universe. Honestly, like that, I would have lost my mind. We would have just been replaying that, replaying that. But anyway, what can you do? Maybe we're in the universe where we end up winning the title. I'd rather a title than Federici hitting a bike. That's true. That's I mean, true. if I'm greedy, I'm saying I want both, but you know, you can't be, can't ask for too much. Yeah. Kind of at all. Um, <laughs> but I suppose rather than we'll get into the, I don't know, finals preview against Mariners. We touched on it a bit there, but we do have two other games to quickly sort of recap. We had the uh, late fixture change uh, to Leichhardt Oval uh, against Western United. Uh, yeah, that's an, that's another way to uh, to put it. Um, a stunning crowd of about 200 people, you would say, if that. Um, it was Monday night and on very late notice. So I think we've both played in front of more people. Yeah, I think so. Um, but you know, credit where credit's due. It was a it was a decent game, to be fair. It, it yeah. was what, else, what more could you want on a Monday night? You know, <laughs> yeah. was, uh, I think you got a Mars bar from the canteen, didn't you? And it was like, oh yeah, it was expired. Solid. <laughs> it was like all like all the moisture. Had like just sucked it up. It didn't have proper form. It was all like Mars con- concave. It was a concave Mars bar, <laughs> um, and it looked white. So, but it tasted bloody beautiful. And I tell you what else was uh, beautiful was the amount of chances we created this game. Um, we looked at times very, very threatening, and we could have easily had four or five goals on a different evening. Yeah, definitely. We went up 2-0 through some quality play. Um, we did the early switch to Derbyshire, who nodded it back for Sosayeta to finish calmly. And uh, Mark Milligan, who was sort of playing up in the midfield in this game, took it upon himself. And it was a it was a goal very reminiscent of uh, the one that Milligan also scored against Adelaide United at home uh, earlier in the season, where he's just gone 
righto, no one's tracking me. I'll dribble, I'll dribble, I'll go further. And then he found the feet of Derbyshire who just flicked it on and, um, you know, it wasn't as smooth as the first time he did it, but, uh, you know, nearly left it behind, but he dug it out and just picked out this absolute bomb of a strike. Um, yeah, just sailed into the net, you know, top top quality and uh, a real captain's goal. And at that point, when that goes in, because I think we scored two in like, you know, the space of five minutes. Yeah. We're thinking, oh, shit, yeah, like, let's put five on them. We can get up into the, you know, top four, whatever. Um, and, you know, despite increased pressure and increased pressure and um, some good opportunities, we couldn't get it there. And, um, yeah, Western United in the second half, not saying we took our foot off the pedal, but they switched up their play a bit. They were going a bit more direct and, um, you know, they got a couple of corners. One of the corners, Guarashena pops up with a header, you know, happens. Um, probably wasn't tracked as well as he could have been, but, you know, sometimes you get that off the corner. And then, um, yeah, it became very nervy. Uh, Jake McGing nearly scoring an own goal with a, I mean, there's not much else he could have done. It was one of those really awkward ones that as a defender, you're just thinking, shit, I better get something onto it because if I let it go through, it's probably going to get tapped in. But there wasn't really any, any way he could direct it. Um, we're just lucky that Federici got a very fortunate touch pretty much off his heel and then it's hit the post and come back out and we're able to clear it. But Jesus, that would have been some way to not make finals because um, I think it would have been very stressful playing Wellington if we had to get points from that. Um, yeah, very difficult. That, that would have been a huge ask um, yeah. in that Wellington game. And it, um, it begs the question, like, you know, at, at times we're looking unbeatable. We're looking like no one can play against us, that we're in complete control of the game. We could score as much as we want, whatever. But at other points, we maybe get in our own heads. Maybe it's just the fact that the other teams are exploiting something or maybe we're getting tired. I don't know. But we fade in and out of these games. And it makes you wonder, like, if we're only eking out a 2-1 win, because even towards the end of the game, the very last kick of the game was a corner for Western and we're all, you know, shitting ourselves. Ryan Scott had gone up like, you know, what's going to happen here? Thankfully, we cleared it and the ref blew the whistle and we're able to make finals from that. But, man, it uh, it, it, asks, it makes you ask the question, uh, are we really deserving to be in finals? I mean, you look at our form in uh, recent weeks. I think we've only won three out of our last 11 games. I mean, that's it's not finals form. Let me tell you that much. And two of those matches were against Melbourne Victory, who have been a basket case. And of course, Western United, who, you know, the wheels have just fallen off their season. So it's not great. Uh, not great form. And yeah, what else What else can you say? Yeah. And when you, yeah, when you consider the week prior, Victory dusted Western like 6-1. So when we go up 2-0, 30 minutes into the game, you're thinking, all right, we can make up for our awful goal dis uh, difference this entire season in one game here. But then to that credit, they were quite resilient, you know, to come back at us. And it's, as you said, been a recurring theme of us sort of taking the gas off the, of the pedal or the foot off the pedal. <laughs> yeah. That's how the oh, expression Also goes. one thing I want to mention from this game. So like we were one of the, the hallowed few who were able to attend this one. Um, we met, we noticed at half time, and it's only recently been reported that, yeah, Mark Rudin has been sacked as manager from Western United, but we noticed a little tidbit Before at half time. The, uh, the entire team was huddled up. The assistant coach, whoever he is, was going through some plans and uh, the team looked really together and, you know, we're, we're getting on board with it. And then uh, Mark Rudin comes over and before he can even get to the circle, they all break up and jog off and 
they're not listening to him at all. So I don't know if they just hated him, if he lost the dressing room or if he was too abusive or whatever, or, um, you know, they just lost faith in his, his project. But yeah, I think, I think the writing was on the wall there. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like playing for him. So, and it tried to be that, you know, authoritative figure without the success to, to back it up. He's not know? Jose Mourinho. No. Um, but looking back at the game, you know, Charles and Roos had two pretty good opportunities to give us a couple more goals. And on a different night, they it's somehow find their way in and it's a 4-0 or 4-1. Um, and, but, you know, that's... Uh, that's football, that's isn't football. it? That's football. <laughs> but it is worrying entering the finals with, you know... It's only been like two times this season where we've put together a full 90-minute display of good, consistent football. And, you know, you're always not going to... You're always going to have lapses, but for an be so, you know, frequent and blaringly obvious where we sort of fall out of the game and sort of are reacting rather than being the dominant force in the game. Yeah. Um, it's just whether it's a mentality thing or the personnel we have, um, it it's hopefully be... something we can eke out for next season. Yeah, it might just be a symptom of Milicic seems to favour the rotation of the squad, you know, keep everyone fresh, have everyone competitive and and playing, you know, across a range of positions. But, you know, maybe it's just that lack of familiarity with the mannerisms of the person who's next to you, you know. Um, apart from the centre-backs, we've had a lot of change um, across the across the field. Many different people playing different positions week in, week out, um, changing it up. So, you know, maybe there's that lack of familiarity, but yeah, it's it's not good signs. I mean, like you're thinking what kind of MacArthur is going to turn up on the day, but even then, if we turn up and we're smashing it for 10 minutes, you know, at some point there's going to be a 10 minute period where we just lose our bundle. So, you know, hopefully we can have one of those rare 90 minute performances against the Mariners and surge on into the finals. Um, I think we're due one, to be honest, because the way we played against Wellington, despite, you know, resting quite a few first team regulars, especially our foreigners. Um, it was not a great performance, but if you're going to have to get beaten three nil, there's fewer, there's few better times to cop a three nil loss than having already made finals and, you know, being at the end of the season in a dead rubber. Yeah. Um, I suppose looking at it from a different perspective though, do you want to, enter finals on the back of a win and sort of on the high of winning a game of football or on the back of a three nil loss where, you know, no one really was a standout performer for us. And obviously we, we were resting a lot of key guys like Derbyshire, which I think will do him good. Cause obviously he's been carrying us the entire season. So his backs ought to be bloody sore. So hopefully he can come out firing in the, Mariners game for us on Saturday but um, yeah I just I suppose going into that game you're thinking like you don't want to risk it you don't want to obviously get an injury in that game and then shoot yourself in the foot for finals do you? Yeah and it's interesting because we bring on Puyo in the second half you know we're 2-0 down 
and you just want to steady the ship, you know, you want to maybe get some minutes into the legs before finals, keep everyone fresh. And uh, he gets the red card, which, you know, despite not doing any damage, um, I saw it as a red. I mean, I've, I've copped similar uh, treatment from referees <laughs> for that kind of challenge. So, yeah, it, uh, when I saw it and they were reviewing it, you're thinking, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they don't they don't review these things to to take it away. Usually it gets upgraded. And um, I was actually very surprised, you know, that there was such furo online about him. It should have only been a yellow or something because, you know, despite the fact that you're late and, yeah, you can't pull your leg away, like, if you make that contact and your studs are up, you're, you're gone. Um, so that's an interesting one, an interesting dilemma for Milicic. Now, granted, Puyo probably wasn't uh, in the first 11 plans, but he is a, a senior player for us and someone who can, on his day, do real damage to teams. So um, he'll be he'll be missed against the Mariners. Yeah, um, and it sort of uh, hurts us for that depth because he can cover you know multiple positions like say in the finals if Asusayada goes down he can occupy that role in between the lines and in that like attacking midfielder role but also you know as a center mid even though his work work rate is sometimes questionable but yeah he can cover a multitude of positions and do like a fairly competent competent job so I mean the um, cynical side of me is thinking He's just on holiday. He's here to go to Bondi Beach and surf and that. And uh, he probably wasn't feeling going up to Gosford, the the shithole town. <laughs> um, you know, it is quite a trek. Although he might want to go up to Gosford and just not have to be, be playing. Maybe he'll just go to the beach instead. Who knows? Um, but, you know, apart from that, not a whole lot of uh, positives to take out of the performance against Wellington couple of uh, defensive frailties i mean a, a, a lucky deflection for hemed's goal sometimes that just happens to you um no one tracking ben wayne for his goal very late on you know it's not not a great goal to concede but by then had they switched off potentially I'm not saying it's a good thing but you know that's that's just what happens however david uh david ball's goal was something special and um, you know, you can't take that away from Wellington. It was well-constructed, through ball for Hamed, back heel and ball with a first-time finish, putting it in the bottom corner. Quite good play. It shows you that they probably should have been um, a team in the finals. And if they maybe had a chance to have uh, moved back home earlier in the season, maybe things would have been different. But, you know, thankfully for our sakes that they're not there. Yeah, you know, they're unbeaten in their last 11 games. So it just shows you, like, how well they came along and obviously didn't Stephen Taylor he only joined halfway through the season and he's been pretty big for them yeah. um but yeah not many good takeaways I thought oh well I suppose we should talk about Federici just been on fire again like the, yeah. these last four games he's just been the MVP for our season I, I, I think. saw a stat today and yeah Federici's been fantastic I mean there was a couple of um penalty box scrambles and he just you know, he always it, is the man to turn up and just get in the way and, and calm everything down. He saved then the saving, Hamed, yeah, um, saving the pen. You know, did that mental psych out that he does. Um, but yeah, it, I saw a stat that said it was comparing Birigidi and Federici 
Birgitti has eight clean sheets and has made 65 saves across the season. Federici, seven clean sheets and 90 saves across across the season. Now, that's saying something. Um, the fact that our keeper is having to face so many pops at goal um, tells you maybe we're allowing too much time in the midfield. Maybe they're all long-range strikes, but um, you know maybe we're not tracking enough. We're, we're not doing our job defensively or maybe we're just allowing too much time. But, you know, with someone as safe as Federici, you you can get away with one or two, but I wouldn't want us to put that kind of pressure on him in the finals. Hopefully we tighten that up. I think one person we've really missed, and it hasn't been talked about much, um, but we've really missed uh, Jovanovic. He's, uh, he was a big presence for us earlier in the season. He got us a lot of uh, hard-fought points. And, uh, you know, since his injury, it's been been really difficult he's been out actually the majority of the season and uh filling that hole that he's been in the midfield uh, in the uh sorry back line has just been tough because he's he's the one who wins the headers he's calm on the ball he's you know a, a bit more vocal than Sushnia. and uh despite being not as mobile he's just the man who pops up in the right spot and and settles things much like milligan does so um yeah i hope that maybe he can get back on the field if we make you know We'll make it into the next couple of rounds, but it's unlikely. Um, hopefully he's back next season feeling better and, and able to to stamp his impact on the game again. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I should touch on Carl Cementi or Cementi, obviously yep. making his uh, sort of debut for us, even though it was only for a handful of minutes. But I thought he looked, he looks somewhat sharp on the ball and obviously only had a few touches, but uh, he did one pretty solid run, did his man and sort of took it down the sideline and won the throw in. But, um, you know, if he can secure something with this next season and just give us, a, you know, something else a bit more dynamic off the bench, we obviously need to see more of him, but I just thought he looks up to speed from the three touches he had. You need to have um, those different types of players though um, that give yeah. you those different qualities. Kyle looks like that more rapid, you know, kind of arriving late in the penalty box kind of striker. He'll drop off, he'll do a bit more. He'll try and get him behind the lines. Um, someone who can bring other players into the play as well. Um, Darvishir, like we've discussed so many times before, he's that classic poacher just to get on the end of things and, it comes comes across in modern football as a little bit one-dimensional, if you're asking me. So someone there who can provide a little bit more, uh, integrate himself into the play a bit more and actually, you know, take on his man is someone who's maybe a bit more exciting to watch. Um, but again, too hard to call at this early stage, although has to be said, um, he took a goal, a nice goal on the weekend and he was playing MPL one for Northbridge and, um, you know, scored against Marconi. So, you know, he's still in, a bit of form and hopefully we see a bit more of him. Um, you know, it'd be nice to, to suss him out and uh, maybe he's a decent striking option for us. Yeah, I suppose um, building off from that, you know, we've sort of covered the Mariners game this weekend throughout the entire podcast, but... Well, we might as um, well quickly make our predictions, eh? Predictions, yeah. Um, what do you reckon? Look, I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the negative bad cop um, angle on this one. I think I think it will be a I think just a one nil loss. It won't 
it'll be really tight contests and you know maybe around the 30 or 40 minute mark mariners will get one against us and then we'll try to fight back like we did um last time out against them but i think they've shown it three times this season that they have too much for us and i think they'll show it again you so you reckon they'll have we'll we'll go down in a gallant defeat where it's like oh you know good job we got to the finals um yeah you know i i don't reckon i don't reckon i think it'll be a mad game i think it'll be like back and forth 2-2 at the end of 90 minutes and then it'll go to extra time um i see Derbyshire having you know causing havoc in the box against the uh inexperienced pairing in uh the central coast mariners defense um yeah, you've got Matt Hatch and uh, what's his name? Yeah, Kai Rolls. So I think he's there's a there's an opportunity there. However, once it goes past ninety minutes, I can't see it. There's a crystal ball. Maybe it goes to penalties. Maybe Federici is the the goat who who saves us again, and we get to have that narrative over again. Um, but you know, the real beauty of it is we get to go into this game with no expectation, no fear us hitting finals in our first season is already a massive accomplishment. So the pressure's off and Ante's just got to say to the boys, look, like how, how far we go now is up to us. And it's not, there's no expectation. I think uh, if you cast your mind back across the season, every single time we've been expected to win, we've messed it up. <laughs> Whereas every time we've not been expected to win, we've come up with yeah. some surprising results. So, you know, yeah. pressure's on the Mariners really. They're at home expecting a big crowd uh, first time that they're at finals for the last uh, seven years. So pressure's on them for us. It's just, it's uncharted territory and the sky's the limit. Um, I think we can pull it out an extra time or in penalties. If we end up getting the result in 90 minutes, even better. Well, it sure to be a entertaining one on uh, Saturday night. Hopefully, I mean, even though I think we, going home empty-handed after this first round um obviously would love to see us do, do a finals charge um anything can happen in the finals mate yeah exactly we just play for the nil all and win on pens that's it <laughs> uh, um get him in the second leg boys get him in the second leg <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i suppose quickly before we wrap up this one um if you want to touch on it a bit more genre obviously getting his debut for the Socceroos. Um, yeah, definitely. And he had um, quite a decent match. He had a great match. Um, for, a, for a debut, he was alongside Briley McGree, one of the central figures in midfield and really getting us ticking and, you know, passing through uh, Taiwan's midfield like it was like it was nothing. Um, he put on an excellent little um, feint, dropped the shoulder and got around a, a player or two put it through for um, Borello and then Borello put it on a plate for Mitch Duke for the first of his two goals. Now, granted, it's only Taiwan. Um, it's not like they're playing against Germany and, um, you know, in in really mad circumstances. It was no crowd atmosphere and, um, you know, just a World Cup qualifier. But in saying that, he's, he's had a really good game and, um, you know, he's shown that he's not overawed by the occasion. He's able to jump into the national team setup and, and do some damage. And it was nice, nice little touch um, to see that he's inherited Mark Milligan's number five jersey. Milligan, obviously, in, in uh, last week, 
announced his retirement and previously a couple of years ago had announced his retirement from international football. Um, So I can definitely see Jeanro kind of graduating into that role. I don't know if he'll feature in further World Cup qualifying or if this was just a little experience for him. But um, yeah, it's good to see that Arnie's having a look at him. Um, Obviously, he knows a bit about him from the Oli Roo setup as well. Jonro and uh, Metcalf are pretty much locks to be the midfielders in, for the Oli Roos. So, um, yeah, great for the, the kid to get some experience. And, um, you know, he makes history for us. He's the first MacArthur FC player to make a Socceroos debut. So, you know, congratulations to him. What a champion. Good on him. And let's hope he... We've seen it the last couple of games where he's just elevated to that next level. And then if he can push on next season and just boss the mids for us and we'll be cheering the final thing as well before we go we got to talk, we got to talk about this mark milligan our captain um announcing his retirement but he's going to go into a coaching role at macarthur fc um what have you made of his impact on us this season um when many when when we first saw that he was being announced as captain it sort of was this question of is he past it is he too old is that setting you know ambition our ambition's not high enough, even though he was a, um, you know, former Socceroos player. Um, what have you made of his impact on the side? You know, he's definitely been one of our best players this season, but also definitely one of the most consistent. And, you know, sort of stepping into that back line for us and seeing some of the balls he just fizzes out wide and over the top for us from time to time. Just absolute class player and, you know, great to have him sort of as that experienced veteran, you would say, in the locker room and, you know, with the sort of plan to keep him on and integrate him into the coaching staff. Um, it'll do wonders for all the young boys we've got coming through. So hats off to Milligan. He's done great for us this season. Couldn't ask for much more. Yeah, he's been that real leader that we've we've craved. Um, you can see why Milicic trusts him with the captain's armband. He uh, it, it takes a special type of player as well to shift between that midfield and that centre back role. Um, they are very different. I know that you maybe get a bit more time on the ball at the back um, when you're in possession, but it's a completely different type of playing. Um, so you know he's done ex- exemplary, really, um, putting his hand up and going, "Yeah, I can play there when we've needed him to." Um, he's previously done it, of course, but it's, you know, you're, you're thinking who else could we put there? And, you know, he, he's just acquitted himself so well. He's been a real great servant for our club club in this first year. And, um, you know, we look forward to seeing him on the, on the sidelines, hopefully in, you know, the coming years, he's assistant coach with Ante. He's maybe coaching our youth teams or our W league team, or, uh, maybe even eventually our E league team once Ante just decides to move on. Um, it was also nice to see uh, after the match against Wellington, obviously the result didn't go our way, um, but he was farewelled by the fans who stayed back. And, uh, you know, it's it was a nice thing, a nice touch for the club to, you know, do a little commemorative jersey for him with a few of the photos of um, him doing his stuff for us this season. And also a special mention to the bullpen lads at very short notice. I think he announced his um, departure from... The five days before or something. And by yeah. the Friday, the bullpen boys have put together this banner for him and 
you know, had a nice little moment with him after the match. So, yeah, credit to them as well. Um, yeah, Mark Milligan, he'll go down as a club legend as as much as we can have legends at this stage of our short lifespan. But, um, yeah, fantastic. First ever club captain, not much more you could ask for. He's done an excellent job. Yeah, and I suppose that brings us to uh, another close of Bull Banter. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We've been building it up uh, pretty recently, getting some good traction going on. And be sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube, and we'll be here hopefully next week uh, cheering about a victory over Mariners in the finals. Yeah, definitely. And if you can, make sure you get up there. Like, if you're a MacArthur FC supporter, you're mad if you're not going up there to Gosford to cheer on the boys. You know, conceivably, this could be the only time we get into the finals for the next five years. I mean, I don't want it to be like that, but you never know. So don't miss out on the opportunity. Um, it'll be a great atmosphere. The guys in Gosford hate our guts, so um, we've got to give them heaps. And we need we need numbers up there, so get up there. Anyway, guys. And- Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Go you bulls. Go you bulls. <laughs>